Hello, hello, and welcome to the good shit. I promised there was going to be a part two, and there is a part two. Sometimes it takes some time to actually get into the meat of things, and I really wanted to cover my internal workings, looking at pictures of these other trans guys and how that triggers certain reactions within myself. And I feel like um, I feel like there was more really there. Um, it's funny how you kind of look at the pictures on Instagram and you think, oh, you know, whatever. I'm just looking at this person's face, but there's more than that. There's so much more than that. You're thinking, you know, what do they look like? Why do they look like this? You know, sometimes you look at pictures and you think, well, of course they're just trying to they're trying to to show off their best angle, and you're trying to find their dirty secrets. You know, I, I bet they hate their ass so i'm gonna see if there's a picture of them from behind or i bet they're hiding their ears you know not their ears but you know you're you're looking to see you know what what is lying underneath what what are they really insecure about that you don't see in these pictures because you bet you bet people pick their best pictures um but there's always something something that they don't like and this experience of navigating navigating my identity by using other people's appearance and identity as a as a as a crutch you know i was talking about the pieces of the puzzle and how i've got a few and i'm looking for more and of course where do we get these from well, wherever we can, wherever we can. Obviously, there are some internal pieces that we come with built in. <coughs> Otherwise, no one would be trans because, you know, if people tell you you're female, that's about it. Clearly, there are some built in pieces that say, well, no, actually, I feel very strongly about something. And that is my own conviction and my own identity. Despite everything else. Which I think is very powerful, actually. Um, but the way, the, you know, the the other pieces we just get from everyone else. You know, I guess that's actually how fashion works. You you see enough people, you've seen ten thousand, fifty thousand random people in your life. They look a certain way, and you think, well, this season, you know, for example, this season right now, everyone's wearing old school Vans, black Vans, you know. Two years ago, they were wearing Adidas's. Three years ago, they were wearing Nikes. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it is a bit like fashion, where you you kind of fit yourself in to what how you interpret that identity. And I think this is this is actually why fashion is is a fascinating um, area. I know that I've looked into it in, in any academic capacity whatsoever, but I can sort of tell that's really what it's really about you know it's 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 not just clothing or um or fashion or trends um it's it's really about messages and identities and belonging fitting in versus standing out standing for something specific or not standing for anything um, it conveys emotion, it conveys background, it conveys intention, it conveys relating, it conveys a lot. So that is one of the things that 
is quite key in crafting this this hopefully a one point complete or near damn near complete puzzle of myself and clothing is probably an episode that I could go into um, at length uh, because I've spent I spend so much time really looking into it you know why does my ass look big in this why do I like this t-shirt but not that t-shirt you know really the details of what is it about this image that I like? And what is it about that image that I don't like? And, you know, when you look at it from such an anal perspective, you find some really interesting things. And sometimes that's what I do with, you know, these are the trans guys that I look at as well. You know, what's, why am I attracted to that? Why am I triggered by that? Why do I hate that? Why do I love that? You know, there's there's so many stories baked into every tiny minutia. So you can imagine when you scroll through tens and hundreds of pictures on Instagram within within half an hour, how many messages are you really processing? And how powerful are they? And how can they change who you are? Right? I was actually also going to have a little update uh, about my daily affirmation um, uh, in the episode "How I Brainwash Myself in Seven Minutes." I include the affirmation um, that I that I used to do every morning, and this is the news: I'm not doing it anymore. Um, I, you know, one of the one of the things about affirmation is that it must be repetitive to work, and I think to a certain extent. I've accomplished the purpose of those affirmations because I now find that I'm a lot more secure in myself and a lot more comfortable in myself than I was before. Um, I have a deeper sense of, of, of worth, a deeper sense of meaning in myself. Um, I think I've become a little bit more able to be objective about certain experiences that I go through that are quite emotional. Um, But I think the main reason I stopped is because I kind of moved from a place of internal working to a place of outside working. So if you know that you've got certain issues within yourself that you need to work on, then affirmations helps you with that because it's something that you do. It's it's a process that you do with yourself, for yourself. But then comes another process, which is putting your new mind and your new inner workings into practice in, in the outside world. Putting yourself in situations with other people where they may be undermining you subtly or where they might be questioning you or or where they may not know you and then seeing whether your new inner workings can live up to the challenge of confidence taking initiative not being thrown off by people's non-verbal subtle assumptions it's not this is not this i'm not talking about an argument someone comes up to you and says you know what's wrong with you go away you know this is very subtle 
people's body language, how you're perceived. Those things can be very powerful and send certain different kinds of messages. And the idea is that before, you were not aware of it. And so if people doubted you, you just thought that you weren't capable. If people treated you as a kid, you just thought you were irresponsible and that sort of thing. So the challenge is to fix that inner working so that when you are in the same situation again, you can do something different. You can do the right thing. It's almost like turning back time once you realize what you were supposed to have done right. So, for example, for me, I've always just responded acutely to people's perception of me. So I didn't think that I could actually say, actually, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm not simply going to respond to how you, to what you expect of me based on, on some uh, superficial judgment that you've made of what I look like and whom, who I must therefore be. So this thing happened recently that is actually very relevant to this where um, someone was just sort of asking me if I was a student, which I hate this question because it implies that I look very young or very um, early in my adult experience, let's say. So, you know, of course it could be for different reasons. I assume the worst, you know, it could it could have absolutely nothing to do with what I look like given on that situation. Uh, but this is what I would have assumed. And I would shut down and just give one word answers and feel like because this person has made an assumption of me, there's nothing I can do. And, and I'm just going to have to live in this uncomfortable state of having received someone else's impression of me that isn't quite something that is even real <laughs> it's not even true you know and i'm so i'm just kind of living in this uncomfortable state of carrying this assumption that is bullshit about myself and not necessarily having an easy way of correcting it so now i was recently in a situation where someone again asked okay you know so uh you know what do you do uh, are you a student you know and again that question that makes me feel like oh this person is perceiving me in a way that is total fucking bullshit to my actual reality and who I really am. And I sort of, I, I had, I had like two seconds of paralysis thinking, oh no, here it is, it's happening again. And then I took action and I just simply said, no, actually, that's not the case. And, 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 and owned that moment of putting things straight without necessarily feeling like it's my responsibility to give a two-hour lecture to this person on who I really am, but simply not being phased by their wrong assumption and feeling comfortable in making a statement about who I am that is measured and relevant and powerful and does not need to go any further than I'm comfortable with or any further than I want to. And it's no longer about, oh, this person has this idea about me that is wrong. It's about, I know who I am, and this person knows what I've told them about me. And anything else that they might think about me is irrelevant. Because if the situation should arise again, that they've made an assumption that is wrong, or they've said something that lets me know that they have the wrong idea about me, I will simply 
correct it. Because I know who I am and I believe in myself. And I've found that base level of confidence that allows me to feel comfortable. Even if I constantly have to correct these assumptions, which sometimes I do. So I stopped the affirmations because I think I've moved into this next stage of putting them into practice. And I think this is the real way that we learn. Another thing I noticed is that the way affirmations work within yourself when you're doing your inner working is that because you're repeating it in a present tense positive statement form, over time you're giving yourself no choice but to understand that it is true. But you have to repeat it and it might take months or years. You know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite, a, quite a big process. And the funny thing is, you know, maybe, for example, you don't think you, don't think you are attractive, right? Or I don't know, let's think of something specific. Let's say you think you, you have awful hair, right? You think my hair is horrible. You've always believed that, you believe it deeply, and then you might have to do affirmations saying, my hair is beautiful, every day for like six months. And then maybe you might get to a point where you believe that that could actually be the case, your hair is beautiful. But, you know, coming from you, it might take God knows how long, but coming from a random person off the street, if they were just like, oh, hey, I really like your hair. <laughs> Wouldn't that change your mind in an instant? Wouldn't you just think, well, of course they must be true. You wouldn't even question it. You'd think it is valid and it must be real. If this person said this, it must be real. But if you say it, then it must be a lie. How funny is that? And so I think the wisdom there is that if there is a way, once you have identified your core issues... If there is a way where you can receive these messages experientially with others, it will be so much quicker. If you know that, okay, I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm just being myself in a, in a social environment where I can show off my personality... You know, let's say you have an issue with your appearance or with your body and then you know that, you know, you feel as though no one cares about your personality because your body is kind of a barrier to that, you know. And then you know that you can put yourself in a situation where people will see who you are and they will think, you know, people always say that you're really funny. People really say that you're really fun to be around and you know that that is going to make you feel good about yourself. And if you thought that people couldn't get to that part of you because your body or your appearance somehow got in the way of it, you realize that's not true. You know, for people to say that to you is very strong evidence to persuade you otherwise. But this works best once you have done your inner working of being receptive to that. Because it's very possible that people have always told you that you look great and you still don't believe that. So, of course, it depends on what level you are. But um, <laughs> uh, that, that was a very long aside. I do want to come back to, 
to these pictures of, of, of other trans guys because it is such such a process of, of comparison and such a process of for me um, I think there's a lot of uh, transphobia there as well because as I said you know if you if, if I look at a, a trans guy who is really feminine you know it, it's not it's not it's not as if he's just a guy that is feminine that in itself um, is not a big deal but because it's a trans guy there's this sense of failure this sense of you know if 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 if, if a man is feminine you assume it's who he is it is truly himself but when i see a trans guy that is feminine what what comes to my mind is my own experience it's not that this person is just that way and this is who they are it's that they were duped into it, you know? They were forced into it. They were brainwashed into it. This is what I have an issue with. I will not know whether, had I been born a boy, I would have ended up camp or I would have ended up really masculine or really feminine. I, I, was, I did not have the opportunity to find out who I would have grown up to be. All I know is I was put into a girl box so I don't know whether I'm... I don't know how much of a feminine guy I am. That is me. And how much of a feminine guy I am. That is this traumatic process of not just having a female body, but being treated as female. A process that I did not choose... And a process that I did not like. And I was vulnerable to... To this brainwashing process. You know, there are things about being brought up as a girl that are great. That I don't want to let go of. Because they're super cool and... A lot of cis men actually want to one in on that, you know, um, that it's cool to be, right? Um, and then there are things that I'm not cool with. There are things that I feel really limited my ability to explore my identity and to to have a, a proud sense of my identity and my masculinity. If you're a girl, you're punished for being boy-like. And if you're a boy, you're punished for being girl-like. By definition. So, so by definition, you know, the boy-like things that I would have gone for uh, um, amounted to a punishment as a girl. So in a sense, there are parts of me that are me, that I was punished for. That I would have been praised for as a boy, but I was punished for as a girl. And when you're praised for simply being who you are, a beautiful, magical thing happens that allows you to really love yourself and really cling on to that part of your identity. 
Um, I was always academically great. So that was another part of my identity. I loved being praised for getting high grades, for being seen as intelligent. I loved that. It is the synergy of who you are and people's response to it that fabricates the sum and the whole of of your life. So I benefited hugely from being appreciated for my intelligence and for my abilities. I flourished. I think if I was in an environment where being academic was not something um, n- not something desirable and there was no praise to be given for it, but it was still who I was, I would have developed into a completely different identity around that. So those parts of me that would have been, that would have wanted to come out, but were constantly shut down. I still have them, and I'm trying to find situations where I can try to bring them back out and nurture them into their fullness. It's difficult because... (laughs) I'm a grown man. I can't exactly ask people to bro me around and treat me as a boy, you know. It's difficult once you've grown the fuck up, you know. Some things are not exactly reversible. But I I try to, to kind of replay those experiences to allow myself to grow in those directions To not feel shamed. It's bizarre. It's bizarre because in my head, being brought up as a girl, I feel shamed about being aggressive and down speaking into a deeper voice. But as a man, as a boy, you would be shamed for doing the opposite. So what is just a background default to being a boy is a serious issue for being a girl and vice versa. So I have this reflex that doesn't make any sense, right? It is totally the opposite and is ridiculous. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And you see how those environments and pressures make kids act in a certain way. Before they go through puberty, they already have a sense of identity and a sense of people's expectation of themselves, of them. So, as a boy, you know you need to talk a certain way, and as a girl... You need to, you need to, you know you need to talk a different way. Your voice is the same, your voice has no difference in it. But that 
belief, that rock solid belief that that is how it needs to be is so powerful that it physically makes you obey those lines and follow that stream that makes you become so different even when there is no material basis for that difference. The thing is, once you realize that this is conditioned and you realize there is nothing solid about it that is just a brainwash, even if you wanted to go the other way, you question, what is this? This is not even real. This is brainwashing. Do I really want to brainwash myself? If I brainwash myself in reverse, does that fix it? Or is that just another round of brainwashing? How do I get out of it? Or, or actually, if it's better to be in it, how do I put myself back into it? You cannot put yourself back into it. Once you've realized it, you cannot unrealize it. Once you realize that your brain and your vocal cords and your mannerisms and your face and your muscles and your limbs and your arms have been conditioned into something that isn't really what you wanted for yourself is very difficult to fix. And even if you can fix it, you will never be able to reverse the disturbing realization that it would all have been a brainwash anyway. Yes, I would have rather been brainwashed male. I would have rather have always pushed my voice down. And I would have rather people expected me to be more violent. And I would have rather people would have expected me to behave differently. And I would have rather that the patterns in my nerves were different and I would have rather not have any shame around the way I talk and I would have rather people didn't expect me to be feminine or female and I would have rather my body conform to those sets of expectations. I would have rather been really well brainwashed that way. I would have rather... Yeah, maybe I would have still had a sense of identity that was a little bit different to that. But the fundamental story of that brainwashing book would have made me feel good. And it would, have, it would have matched a little bit better the reality of who I am and what I want and my life and my feelings. But now that it's been done all wrong and that I am aware of the intricacies of the process, it's a bit more difficult. Oh my lord, well, I'm certainly going to need a drink after this. Uh, right. I don't know how exactly to transition from this impromptu spoken word-esque thing to the uh, 
American advertising style of check it out. If you've always wanted a really awesome The Good Shit Gear, you've got exclusive access as one of our subscribers to the exclusive Teespring store. Link in the description. Thank you very much.